All right. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our third in the series on circles um, about relationships. So we are so glad you're here. My name is Lydia Nyman. I'm the director of operations at Lifeway and also just someone who's very passionate about the word of God and how it affects our lives. And so I just want to share real quick my own personal testimony because I don't know if you're like me, but at 19 as a newly married wife and just found out I was pregnant, I kind of was hit with this like almost like dread and that sounds terrible, but I didn't realize that through my 18 years of life, I'd heard only but negative and kind of like, oh, you know, just hunker down when you hit the parenting stages of life. And so can I just tell you, God's word says um, that it can be a light into our feet and, and a light for our path. And so I'm so thankful that I turned to the word of God and I came across Proverbs 29:17 that says, he who corrects his son or daughter, that he will bring delight to their soul. And I said, I just began to dialogue with the Lord about that. And I said, wait a minute, do you mean I can actually enjoy this whole parenting? thing and actually like my kids at the end. And I felt like he said, yeah, yeah. So that's what we believe here at Lifeway, that God wants to instruct us and teach us in a, such a way that we can grab a hold of some things and principles from his word and just from wisdom from those who've gone before us. And so I decided to invite a lovely panel here. Y'all give them a, a warm welcome here. But I want to say, first of all, and this is what I said to them when I invited them onto this panel, I said, we all declare you are not perfect parents, okay? So we all just acknowledge that right now. Um, and they are parents in different seasons of life, and that's what I wanted to do, too, because I know for some of us, I've gone ahead, and sometimes I forget when parents ask me, what did you do when they were doing this? And I was like, uh, I got to think about that. It's been about 15 years. So, you know, so I decided to ask those who are just in the midst of it. So um, before we get started, I'd like them to introduce themselves. We'll start here to my left. Hey, we're Ed and Hannah Hoover. We've been married for four and a half years, and we have three boys. Edison's three, Everett's two, and Reese is six months. We are the Inches, Andy and Kristen Inch, and we have four girls. Um, Alexis is six. Abrielle is five. Sorry, I have to keep track of them all. Um, Emily is three, and Caitlin is two. Oh, we've been married 11 and a half years. Hi, um, we're in the Osterhouses, Chris and Misty, and um, we've been married 22 years, and we have five kids, uh, ages 20, 18, 16, 14, and 12. Nice. Well, welcome. Welcome. All right. Um, Tell me a little bit about your parenting background. And the reason y'all might be saying, well, what does that have to do with anything? I know for my husband and I, when we're doing premarital counseling, we often will say, tell us a little bit about what you perceive of your parents' marriage and what do you want to take away from it and what do you not want to? Because believe it or not, these things try and shape us and our decisions and how we might even like as in parenting. So share with me a little bit about your history. Yeah, I was raised in like an average Christian household. Um, there would have been a pretty high expectation for good behavior and obedience and stuff. Both of my parents came from more broken backgrounds. Like my mom's dad died when she was five and my dad's parents divorced. Um, so both of them, they did like head and shoulders above what their parents would have done. Um, I'd say the biggest weakness was in the teen years, they didn't really like coach us very well on like how to become responsible adults. (laughs) Um, So, but overall, I would say I saw a good example of parenting, especially in the younger years. Yeah, so I grew up up in a uh, family, family parents with high expectations of, and, you know, learn at a young age to have responsibility. And, um, for instance, I would 
be responsible to feed all the crib on a farm and you know we had a couple hundred head of livestock I was responsible for that at 10 years old um, so actually that's a positive I see that as a positive maybe but the the weakness was the uh, there's very little emotional connection very little let the let the kid be a kid um, let's have some fun what do you want to do uh, those kinds of things how do you feel uh, so there's very little of that and and I would say also the family um, atmosphere was mildly chaotic because of uh, my parents always arguing, being angry, and and that 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 pretty much was a daily existence that I experienced. Um, I have one older sister, um, so I had no brothers, and my mom came from a broken family. Um, her parents divorced when she was in second grade, and my dad's mother passed away and was very sick. Um, like she passed away when he was a young adult. So his mom was pretty incapacitated. Um, she had a disease for a long time. So um, my parents kind of got really serious about the Lord when I was a young child. So I grew up in a household where we went to church. I went to a Christian school and we had expectations of, you know, obeying and we learned about Jesus. And um, so I kind of had that, that upbringing and that kind of rearing. I grew up in a Baptist church um, from the age of, newborn to about 18. I was on the pamphlet of the church bulletin every Sunday with my hands praying over the animal crackers. Um, my my parents, I think, did a really good job. I would say maybe my the downfall that I struggled with, maybe my father, would be um, he would say, I would say, why can't I go to a friend's house? And he'd say, because I said so. He would never explain things. And I got really frustrated with my father, I would say, over the years of not giving me a good reason why. You would say why I had to do what I had to do. Um, I grew up in a kind of divided house as far as uh, just spiritually. My um, mom took us to church and my dad stayed home. Uh, we were also military, uh, so we moved around a lot. And uh, my father came to the Lord when I was in a teenager years. And so then our house sort of shifted dynamics at that point. Um, <clears throat> but I was kind of on my way out getting married. But um, so the atmosphere was very different. Um, you know, mom had scripture verses, dad just had rules. So, uh, we had a very, uh, very, uh, performance driven, um, upbringing where like you, you just could never do well enough. You could never meet the mark. Um, so relationship was very uh, low on the bar as was uh, affirmation or, um, anything. But, um, my parents were definitely committed to each other and faithful. And that was awesome to hold on to. Uh, I grew up, my dad was in the Navy, so he was gone a lot most of the years that I was being raised. So my mom did most of the work as far as setting the tone for rules and, and how life worked. And when we were about 10-ish or so, she met Jesus and got saved and then introduced that to me and my brother. So thank you, Mom, so much for that. I love you. And, uh, yeah. Well, I want to thank you. I threw out a little survey on social media, and I apologize to some of you. I know you're steering clear of social media during the core discipleship intensive, but I just wanted to hear from you parents that are, are in the midst of walking this season out of what are some of the things in your heart? What are some of the questions? So that's where these um, questions that I'm going to be asking this morning, that's where they came from. So we're going to dive right in. Y'all ready? So what does molding or influencing your child's moral frame look like in your family? Basically, they said, how do you know if you're pushing Jesus too much or too little? Osterhouses. We, we, I, I say, say, I, we, <laughs> I, uh, mostly modeling 
I would say, because we do parent very differently, now that I think about it. But yeah, for me, it's mostly modeling. Um, I want to show, here's, here's what love looks like, here's what service looks like, here's what emotional connection looks like, uh, although I do some better than others. Um, the, uh, the idea of pushing Jesus too much or too little, I think for me, it's, it's never been an issue because I, I don't feel like I've ever pushed it too much. Uh, growing up in the, in the family that I was in, uh, it was very, rules were communicated very clearly, expectations were communicated very clearly. Communicating emotions and connection was not one of our strengths. Uh, and so as a parent, I find that that's not one of my strengths. So it's definitely an area that I have to, to really walk out in. And so I've never felt, oh, I'm, I'm trying to connect with my kids too much. And I'm, and I'm talking about this relationship that they have with Jesus too much. Uh, so for personal, for me personally, I think it's, it's never been an issue. I think um, for me, I think just not as a mom and you're raising little kids all the time. I was a stay-at-home mom for most of the time. Um, just getting out of the, the mindset that like my goal is to have my kids become saved. Like they need to just pray the prayer and they need to know Jesus and they need to get saved. And while my heart is for them to, to have a relationship with the Lord, that's different than them just praying a prayer. So as far as like molding their, their moral framework or pushing Jesus, just making Jesus real. And so talking to him, talking to them about, Hey, this is who Jesus is and this is who God is. And he's just as real to me as dad is. And so having conversations with them about that, um, and not pushing them to, to get saved, but rather teaching them about the Lord because the Lord will draw them into a relationship with him. And then it'll be from their heart's decision. Interesting. Um, I'm going to be really practical here. Just our kids are young, and so this is kind of how I'm shaping them and 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 drawing them into Jesus without being overbearing. Um, just prayer, like praying with them if they get heard. And um, Bible stories, like my kids love to read, so Bible stories. Um, I limit what they watch on the TV, what they're you know listening to and seeing in books. I'm pretty um, restrictive in some areas, but then we read a lot on the other end of that. Um, Prayer meetings, like we've taken them to the prayer meeting here. I think it's good for them to be raised in an atmosphere where there's praise and worship and to know what that looks like and how to act in that atmosphere. And, um, and can I hold right there? That's awesome. Yep. Because I want to invite all of you guys, even if you enjoy just the time we had this morning in worship, on the fourth Monday of every month, we take an extended time of worship and communion together. And so, you know, I was with a young couple that had their two little children, and I was watching them just kind of try and, you know, uh, seek the Lord and worship and also watch their children. And so I was just complimenting them. I said, hey, good job, guys. And, you know, I loved the father's response to me. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? He's like, what better way to start your week? And I was like, amen, brother. So just want to put that invitation for all of you here that we on Monday nights, we meet, um, um, at starting at seven and we just this this coming Monday is going to be a time of extended worship and communion so it's really good thanks Kristen sure um, one other thing that um, we like to do too is um, we like to train their hearts and not just their behavior and sometimes that means mommy has to check her own heart first um, but really getting at like the reason why they're acting how they're acting and having them like apologize and give sister a hug if you like pushed her or took her toy type of a thing um, so you're really trying to get to the heart of the issue not just the behavior um, the whole, like, how you know if you're doing too much or too little, I honestly don't really know. Um, but I really feel like if you're seeing, um, are you being effective? Like, is your discipline being effective? And when they're not with you, like, let's say they're in Sunday school with their grandma and grandpa, how are they behaving? Like, that's kind of our litmus test is, are they being respectful and kind to others? And then we can kind of see, oh, are, is our training being effective?
Yeah, um, I really believe we live in a culture where respect is not a word that, well, maybe it's a word that's used, but it's not, I'm just not happy with the respect in our community at times, I should say. So in my children, that's probably the highest thing in my heart is that they will respect not just their siblings, but their mom, you know, and and people that they're around. So for me, I push that really hard. They will be respectful and kind to one another, and especially when I see them being unkind to their mom or doing something. I go after that pretty quick. Um, and um, if we're doing a good enough job, I don't know if we are or not, but <laughs> I, I just think whatever we're doing, ultimately, they're going to be following in our footsteps. So yeah. it's pretty much, you know, they follow, our, follow what we do. It's really good. You know, I think there's just a lie in our culture that just kind of says, well, you know, they're too young to understand or know. And so aren't you going to create little hypocrites if you're teaching them to raise their hands or to, to say amen and pray and talk to someone who maybe they haven't formally really have a revelation understanding who Jesus is. But you know, we, but where the hypocrisy in our own minds is we have no problem teaching them, hey, say thank you when someone hands you something. They don't know why they're saying thank you. They're just doing thank you because you teach them. But we understand that eventually there's going to be that click and that connect that they say, oh, this is out of a gratitude for what this person is doing for me. I believe it's the same thing that can transpire as we teach our children who God is, how to talk to him. And even though it might be motions, we're praying for that day when it clicks and the revelation is there. So I would would say unashamedly teach your children about the Lord and bring them into everything. You know, God says creation speaks of him. So you want to bring the Lord into every arena of your world because you're introducing and it's always an opportunity to, to bring that invitation to them to know God personally. All right. You guys ready for question number two? What are acceptable forms of discipline? So like spanking, timeout, taking things away. How do you know what is the right thing to do? And what are things that are okay just to let go and, and not to train or discipline about? Let's start with the Hoovers. Yes, yeah, so I think we've tried them all and, and more. So <laughs> let, let's get creative. But uh, um, in, in all of these, I think the important thing is to have the right heart. And this is something I, I struggle with a lot is to not discipline in anger or just this reaction like, well, you um, frustrated me. And, and so I'm going to take it out on you or I have a, I had a bad day at work. So this is, this is the victim. Um, so that, that's, that's, I think the, the more important thing than the method, but we, we believe in spanking. Um, I know there's studies out there, uh, from universities or whatever that say that, you know, it, it can be damaging or whatever, but the words talks about spanking. And so, um, personally we, we go, go there, but, um, Sometimes, like, I think that you have to just be able to, to learn, to, to be tuned in enough to the, to the kid to know exactly what they need. Um, because kids, different kids need different methods, perhaps, and also they go through different stages. So you always need to be adjusting, and that takes engagement with your kid. Um, for instance, uh, Edison, our, our oldest, um, came to a place where we were like, I don't think these spankings are really doing a whole lot. So we, we switched it up a little bit to, hey, sit on the couch for five minutes. And, and that helps him to, to think about what, what was going on. That, for him, that, that works better, I think, um, than a spanking to, for him to, to think about what he's done and to hear what we've been telling him. So. Yeah. So like in the young years, zero to five, um, 
we our spankings are probably our like go-to for direct disobedience, um, and that starts pretty much as soon as they're able to like willfully resist you, um, like diaper changes or throwing fits, and you tell them no, and they keep doing it. They do like a little flick, no, and then just progress until like I don't know, like 18 months or whatever, when they're more verbal and you can do a more official like spanking, talk them through. This is what you did wrong and then get the discipline. Um, I usually only take things away with little kids when it's like really clearly attached to like their disobedience. Um, like they're hitting somebody with a toy or something and you're like, nope, you can't have that now. Um, it has to be like really clear in their mind why you're taking something away. I feel like, or else it's just like, you're mean. Why are you taking my stuff? Um, as far as when to discipline, um, I mean, they are kids. They do make mistakes. They don't know stuff. Sometimes, well, yeah, I have these questions I ask myself um, to decide whether or not it's a discipline situation or something you can just let go. Um, I ask myself, did I thoroughly teach them this lesson yet? Because um, you don't want to be using spanking to teach them a new lesson. You need to be teaching them, you know, make sure they know what they did wrong um, or that it is wrong before disciplining them. Um, and then as far as mistakes and accidents go, I usually ask myself, um, okay, say your kid's climbing on the table and they knock a cup over and it breaks and you're like, great, now there's a mess. Um, I ask myself, would I discipline for that same action if there hadn't been an accident, if they hadn't broken it? Because um, you don't want to be disciplining for an accident. Um, either they're allowed on the table or they're not. Um, so yeah, accidents, you can like let that go. Just teach them for next time. Hey, you're not allowed on the table. Or like, let's not do that anymore. So yeah. Um, also, I like I like to practice um, correct responses. Um, so sometimes you don't, even, you don't even need to do a spanking. You just say, hey, that was not what you're supposed to do. Let's practice. Just like you learn any other skill. Have them like repetition. So that's a way to avoid like too many discipline sessions. That's really good. Interest. I'll share a woe story. Um, so one of our children, I, out of protection of the child, I'll just say, um, I, if you know me, I'm a very even-killed person. It takes a lot to get me excited or worked up. Uh, but when you're training a child, you can find that your personality isn't necessarily the way you thought it was. <laughs> so I guess one of my kids just really struggled when they were at the age of two, just sleeping on their own. They were just, oh, it's such a, such a struggle. And I found rage in my heart for the first time I, ever in my life. And I was like, how can I be so angry at this beautiful child? <laughs> yeah. But so I guess it's a real experience that parents experience. You know, I'm, I know I'm not the only one who ever had to walk that out, that feeling or, you know, so how to deal with that. And, and how to love and get through that it is fortunately it's just a season we all know that um, the other thing um, I would say uh, I'll give it to Kristen I think I'll have it when, I, when she shares but there's something else um, yeah so one thing I like to do with my kiddos is um, and we do all of those um, We've done all of those, I should say, plus we've tried to get creative too, um, is really um, help them understand why they got disciplined. So like, let's say I spank my oldest and she's very sensitive, very different than my second born. And so she gets really offended at me very quickly. But if I 
walk through with her. And Andy's told me this many times, be logical with her, explain it to her. She'll understand better. And that's true. That's just the way she's wired. So when I go through and I explain why she was disciplined, um, and then love her afterwards, that's really key. I think too, is like, you, you need to discipline out of love, but sometimes I have to watch because mommy gets angry. Um, and I get frustrated with their behavior, especially if we've been over this many times before. Um, so I have to check myself. But then once I walk them through why they were disciplined, but then loving them, like they, they, the more you're loving them, then discipline won't be a, oh, well, I did something bad. Am I okay now? It's more of a, like, oh, I did something wrong and I'm corrected, but I'm still very much loved. Um, I just think that's really key. Um, and, oh, like, so I like what you said about, like, if it was an accident, like, we don't discipline for that. Like, my daughter one time broke something, and she was like, well, are you mad, mommy? I'm like, no. Like, it was an accident. Like, we just have to clean it up. Like, let's be practical. Um, and I have a child who's extremely particular about what she wears, like, to the point that I, like, want to pull my hair out some days. And um, some days, mm, if it doesn't match, if you're wearing boots with a dress, I don't care. We're, you're dressed, let's get out the door. So some battles are worth taking the time over. And for me, like things like that aren't, you know, if we're cooped up for days and they're running around the house and I'm like, oh, you're being crazy. But like thinking rationally, they need to get that energy out. I kind of let some things like that slide. So. Fortunately, I did remember. I was afraid I wouldn't. Um, I, I feel it's effective when we, when I talk to my girls, not at their age level, but I bring it up a couple ages. I I don't know, it just seems effective. Like I don't treat them like little kids, I treat them like young ladies, and especially the older two. So anyway, I just don't necessarily talk down to them, but they can they they understand a lot more than you give them credit for. It's really good. Yeah, you know, often and um it's kind of subtle, but we can think about when it comes to training and discipline that um we don't mean to, but we can be like, I just want to get through a day. You know, in our parenting, we just kind of like, I just, I just want a day with no work. And I just want to see the next day and, and have a good day. And we don't realize that we're missing opportunities um, for training and for discipline. And the reason why it's so important is, is God our Father. In Hebrews 12, 6, he says he disciplines those that he loves. And so in reality, you're being a selfish person, a selfish parent. If you're just trying to hand a cell phone and, you know, here, be entertained by this or how can I remove them from the situation so I don't have to deal with this that's lazy parenting but in all reality we are given the gift of training and discipline and so don't get confused between the two I love what Hannah said that you know training is when we take every opportunity to teach them the way that they should go and then discipline is when they choose to go contrary to what we've trained them to do so that's really really good all right you guys ready to move on to question number three how do I respond to my children when they are disobedient, unkind, or disrespectful with intentionality um, instead of reaction? Hoovers. I'm putting them on the spot with some of these. Yeah, I feel like what's really helpful for me is to just keep the end goal in mind every day. Um, yeah, and just practice things like Make sure you get enough sleep, like go to bed <laughs> the night before at a decent time so you're not like cranky in the morning. Um, yeah, structure your day, get your stuff done so you're not stressed out and freaking out at your kids because they're like ruining your, your jam. <laughs> um, yeah, some things that I do, um, I try to get up before them and just set my mind oh, in the right place. 
I've written down like statements like, today I'm going to use my tongue to build up my children and not tear them down. And then I'll have a verse to go with that, like be quick to listen, slow to speak, etc. Um, and I just take time in the morning to like get my mind right. Um, also, I, I just take time to picture what I want them to be like when they grow up. I want to have like a mindset that I'm their coach, I'm their teacher. I It's my job to get the potential that's inside them to the outside over the course of the next 18 years, you know. Um, so yeah, that's been the biggest help for me to not, you know, snap in the moment is when I am grounded, I know what my job is for the day, like, and for the next 20 years. Um, that's, yeah, that's been the biggest help for me. Yeah, just to add to that quick, um, the idea that to get the bigger picture, to see this as a, a journey um, which then enables you to to have a little more patience and whatever. Uh, I think is maybe a little bit easier for a stay-at-home mom that's with the kids all the time. Maybe not, but I think what what sometimes happens with me is I got this little blip in the end of the day, and I'm tired. But and, and sometimes it's I I feel like I want immediate results because this is the only time I got, um, and so I don't have a lot of time. So let's have some results immediately. And instead of realizing, no, we're, we're going to chip away on, on character issues or whatever, and, and, and we're, it doesn't all have to happen right now. So, One thing I want to add, um, I had a shift in my thinking more recently with my kiddos, is to see every moment as a trainable moment. So instead of reacting out of frustration or anger or whatever, like being like, oh, wait, this is a time to train them. Like they need to know what's right and wrong. And this is my my job right now. So let's do this. You know, kind of that's the thought process that goes in my head. Um, a big thing is I pray, pray out loud. I pray in the morning. I pray, please help me to be a kind mommy today because I'm tired or sleep is really key. Sleep if you can. Um, but I pray out loud with my kids, too. So my kids are used to me in the moment. So I'm not reacting just out of frustration. I'm literally praying, okay. Lord, I'm frustrated right now. I don't know what to do. Please help me to know how to handle this. Because oftentimes as a parent, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I guess I should after four, but I don't. So, you know, I, I'm in that moment and I'm, you know, and then I'm like, then there's, I'm modeling to them that I'm relying on the Lord in that moment where I'm asking him for help. And then honestly, I feel like even after that quick, short, out loud prayer that I'm able to like jump back in and be in a better mindset and be better equipped to meet their needs in that moment. As I shared earlier in the beginning that I didn't, I just realized this, but my, like I said, my dad, when I wanted to have a, a reason to go somewhere, he wouldn't give me a reason for his, he was just because like, I said so. And I realized as I'm raising my kids that that really bothered me. So when, they, when something goes on where they're being disciplined or a situation, I have a conversation with them. And it's been really, really effective. So I would encourage you to know, just find out the root, go, go a little deeper than what just happened. You know, maybe go back 10 minutes or you know, go a little deeper into their heart and try to, try to be a little detective if you know, and research a little bit. It's really good. All right, our next question. What do you do when your children disappoint you and make decisions that are not with God in mind, or common sense for that matter? Osterhouses. Our children do disappoint us on occasion. Rarely, it does happen. Um, when they do, either with whatever's going on, I think one of the first things to do is ask myself, why am I disappointed? Is this just a personal preference? Is this just something that bugs me? Or did this decision obviously clearly, you know, 
go against scripture, go against wisdom, go against, you know, common sense, whatever it might be. Um, and if, if it did pass that test where, no, it's not just my personal preference, then we have a conversation, I think, with the ages that they're at, uh, again, with ours being older. Um, and a conversation, yeah, to talk about, hey, why did you make this decision? Uh, what factors go into it? And, and part of that decision that I think is really important is consequences, talking about consequences of decisions, because a lot of times, you know, we're focused on ourselves. And I think as a parent trying to teach a child, hey, you need to look beyond your own self. Uh, you making this choice, is it just affecting you? Is it affecting friends, family, you know, what, what might happen because of this decision? Yeah, I think um, when our kids disappoint us, I just think I disappoint the Lord like every day. And, um, and so to just remember, like, how does God deal with me when I disappoint him? And he's gracious. We address what happened. I have steps to move on. If there's things I need to do to, um, you know, make a relationship right with someone, um, then that's what I do. So like Chris said, first getting over like, oh, why does this irritate me? Is it because it's different and I just don't like it and, you know, their idea is ridiculous or something. Um, but if if they do something and they make decisions um, without God in mind, I think it's, like Chris said, just talking with them um, and realizing that I don't expect perfection from them and um, and just removing that and just being there to walk with them, to walk alongside them, to let them know, hey, look, you made a mistake. You acted human. You acted in your flesh. You did this thing. This thing isn't who you are. It's just what you did right now. So let's deal with this. And how are we going to move on? And what do we need to do to make this right? And I think another thing, too, you guys have, you and Jimmy have shared about this, but teaching our kids that, like, they're, they live their lives. I don't live their lives. So if they make decisions and they're foolish, they're going to have to pay the consequences. I don't live their consequences for them. So, um, so that's hard to watch sometimes when you can see down the road of this is really going to affect you. Um, <clears throat> if you're dealing with stuff that's, that can just cause just behavior in their life or, um, or just sin that we see. Um, and we've, we've dealt with a lot of them, but, um, <clears throat> anyway, just realizing that like, I'm here for you. I'm here to walk through this with you as your support. I'm not here to condemn you and judge you because that's not what the Lord does with me. So. That's really good. Yeah. So don't miss what she's saying. You go into that season of coaching, but you don't get to play the game. You know, we never see coaches on the sideline jump in on the, on the floor and, and start playing the game, but they're there to just kind of try and say, well, if you do this move, this is where it's going to take you. And that's, that's really important to move into that role as soon as you're beginning that adulting stage. So I like that. Can I All say right. something else with that? I think another key thing is being really honest with my kids. So I'm not expecting them to be perfect, and I want them to know that I'm not perfect either. So being able to share, hey, look, you're struggling with this sin. You're struggling with pornography. You're struggling with lying. You're struggling with stealing. Hey, we did that too. And share your testimony with your kids and keep it real. I don't need to go into like the nitty gritty of all of my life's decisions, but I need to let them know that, hey, you don't have perfect parents and we're not expecting you to like live something that we have no idea about. That's really good. All right. What is one principle or something that you've um, learned or felt like really helped you in your parenting? Hoover's? Um, I this is a recent, kind of a recent idea that, um, experience that I had where I just started realizing that I see myself as a, a bad parent or a bad dad and uh, I was allowing my mistakes to define me. And I just felt like the Lord talked to me and he talked to me about, about this and, and uh, showed me that, that I am good 
um, cause, cause I'm a new creation in Christ. He, he made me good. And I just saw this, had this picture of, of him, you know, making a new creation and he's standing back, just like in creation story, kind of standing back and saying, it is good. Um, I am a good dad because he made me a good, good dad. And, and if I, if I come out of that identity, I can be a much better dad and make less mistakes. And so, um, just keeping, keeping from my, myself from being defined by the mistakes and, and uh, allowing God to come out through me. Um, mine would be to parent as somebody who's also under authority, kind of like what Misty was saying. Um, correction and discipline are necessary, but just because I have a right to be offended or whatever, um, I don't have to discipline to the max of what might be appropriate, like be kind to them, just like I want God to be kind to me in my own weaknesses. I'm going to say, um, for us at this point, there are some things when our kids are little, but consistency really is like a big key. Um, if we are in, um, unity with how we're doing something and we're consistent with that, we see results when we start changing things up too much or we're not, um, always addressing the same behavior, um, immediately or whatever, then we find more issues with our girls. So when we're, um, consistently dealing with an issue and doing it in love, then we see, um, positive changes. I'm, I'm going to say that we all know that the Bible says about the power of the tongue and what we speak matters. And um, I was crying like the whole first service. Even get through this one too. But, um, I tell my girls that I love them because I do. I tell them all the time, and I hug them and I squeeze them, and I think that's important. Um, and I speak into my girls' lives. I, I look at. Them. I'm always searching for their talents and their gifts. And I'm looking for them. I'm like, what you got? What you got? When I see it, I tell them. When they do a good job, I tell them. And um, we had a confirmation of some of that this past weekend. My daughter won first place in a drawing contest at the Builder Show. And, and we've seen some of her talents. And we, I've been speaking into that, you know. So I'd encourage you just to speak into your kids' lives because it's effective. I think uh, for me, it would be um, just realizing that the Lord didn't allow me to be a parent or have children so that they could tell the world how amazing I am. Um, or be, you know, representatives of how great of a parent I am, that while they do reflect, um, it's not my reputation that's at stake. And so to realize that when my kids make mistakes or they act goofy or they're just ridiculous, that's okay. I love them. They're my kids. And I don't want them to ever feel like I'm afraid of them or um, ashamed of them, sorry, or that I'm concerned that the world is looking at me and being like, you are a bad parent. Your kids are, you know, whatever. Um, and so I think... I grew up feeling like my parents are always like ashamed if we didn't act perfect. And so wanting my kids to know, hey, we expect good behavior and we expect you guys to be, you know, moral citizens and, you know, upstanding. But at the same time, if you make a mistake, it's okay. I'm not ashamed or embarrassed. I'm with you. So. For me, it's definitely prayer. Uh, praying not only for my children, but praying for myself as a parent. I remember when my first child was born, like a couple minutes after, and I was holding her for the first time, and I was just thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue what's happening. This is going to be a disaster. <laughs> and I, it's, it, you know, you have those memories that are just kind of seared into your brain. And this was one where I just heard God. Just He just really pushed through my thoughts. And just, it was a comforting, hey, I'm here. We're working on this together. 
you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to walk through this and we're going to get there. And I just felt a sense of relief. And, uh, and ever since then, when that feeling comes back of, oh, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to handle this. I, you know, God presses through and he says, hey, we're in this together. So just the, the routine praying for myself as well as for the children, uh, it really helps out. Yeah. Amen. That's good. <clears throat> I know for me, I, I really discovered that I need others. And the greatest principle I think we can learn is that we're not meant to walk this parenting thing out alone. And if I could just say, you know, we present and have times here even at Lifeway. We have small groups that focus in on parenting. But even I would say some of the collected times that I've had um, with other women that are in the in the boat that I'm in and mothering um, are the greatest times of connection and talking about, oh, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what you're experiencing. And so I want to let you ladies in this house know that we are going to be presenting a time for that for you guys that we have our very first women's retreat coming up. All right. And, um, and now if you register, we're going to have the early bird registration so you get to even save money. But can I say it's the conversations you have at the table and in your room with others is where you really get to bounce things and ideas off with one another. So don't hesitate to sign up. Don't be afraid to get connected because this whole parenting thing is meant to not be walked out alone, but it's in connection with others. All right. All right. I have um, a question here that might be digging a little bit, but y'all are okay with that, right? How important is it to be in agreement when training your kids? And how do you handle parenting when you don't agree as mom and dad? How about the Hoovers? I feel like we suck at this. <laughs> um, we, we, I mean, we're new at this, right? We have uh, three kids under three, or, you know, the oldest is three, and... Um, so we are working out a lot of ideas and things yet. So, I mean, we, we haven't gotten to the, you know, year four, year five, year six, and, and all those ages that we never, we don't know anything about those. So uh, I'm not sure why we're up here, you know? <laughs> so, but uh, um, I would say one thing that has, that helped us is reading a lot on parenting. And, and in fact, I, we get a lot of books from, you know, when we do the uh, children's dedication or whatever. We, we go through these books and, and that helps us to, to get outside of a, a parenting moment or whatever when, when maybe tensions are high and, and discuss ideas and discuss what we're going to do, what our family's going to look like, what our parenting's going to look like, and uh, discuss children's personalities and, you know, all that stuff. Um, help us to, to come to a somewhat agreement, perhaps. So reading a lot of books is, is something that's helped us. Yeah, um, we also kind of realized that a lot of our disagreements um, come from not trusting that our spouse can see their own issues and not wanting our kids to like turn out like them or their family in certain areas. Um, yeah, so <laughs> you have a tendency to kind of want to like parent your spouse and the kid at the same time when you see something you don't like. You're like, no, stop. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, so a, a lot of times I feel like we're... You're, we're hyper aware of our spouse's issues and weaknesses because those are the areas that have hurt us the most. Um, so we're kind of reacting out of our own baggage from our years together. So yeah, um, just praying for your spouse is really helpful or just working out you know, your pain points with them um, outside of the moment so that you're not reacting and you're more confident in your relationship and more in unity. 
Yeah, I wanted to say um, two or three things that when our kids were younger, we had a conversation about like, what did we want from them? Like kind of what was the angle in, in, in essence of like, you know, we, we value respect and um, kindness and those things. So when we're approaching things, I kind of know what he's thinking then. And he kind of knows what I'm thinking then. We're not just kind of going into it blindly and just trying to make good kids. Um, so having that conversation at any stage of parenting, I think is key because then you get into your spouse's head a little bit because you can't read minds, or at least we can't. Um, and so that kind of helps get you on the same page. Now, there are times when we do disagree and, um, and we've just come to the point where, A, I, we try not to um, have those parenting disagreements in front of our children, um, especially our oldest is very in tune to things and she will pick up on it like nobody's business. So um, stepping away from the situation when we have that one moment together, hopefully in the day, um, we can have that conversation of, well, wait, I didn't really like how you handled that or, you know, hashing it out together so that they're not being a witness to that, I think is key. And then when there are moments like daddy said something and in mommy's mind, she's going, I don't really like that. And I don't really want to do that. But instead I say, well, daddy said, this is what we're going to do. And so this is what we're going to do. So even though I'm not really keen on what we have to do, I'm still presenting it to my children as, hey, we are all for this and this is how we're going about it. So um, just because I'm the spouse and he's the head of our household, I defer to him in those moments. I'm just going to say, uh, we all know women like to talk about things right away. God, guys, guys need time. So um, let, let the man process, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just give me a moment. I'll come up with a, an idea or a thought. I just need to give me a moment to process what happened, and you know, I'll get back to you. So give us time. I'm just saying more of the same. But, yeah, it is very important to have at least a united front, uh, even if you're not totally united on this decision within you know, the marriage, um, but to present a united front to your children so that they see that, that is huge. And I think part of marriage is, you know, learning to sacrifice for the other and, and to come to areas of compromise on things. So we don't always have the exact same opinion on how to do any one topic, but after discussion and after working together, we most of the time can come to a middle ground on this is, this is how we want to handle this situation and then present that to the children. I think, too, um, going into it, if there is a disagreement on, on a method or a punishment or a how to handle a situation, I think it's important that you take a step back to dialogue about why do you have that opinion? Why, where does that come from? So as an example, if you have a difference on, a, on um, disciplinary actions, you know, one person does one thing and one person is against it or, you know, whatever, have a conversation about why. Because a lot of times that comes from something that an experience that we had in our life and we're just holding on to not wanting to repeat that. Versus realizing that this is a new family and the Lord is doing new things. And so letting go of, you know, my experience with this type of discipline makes me not want to do this in my family. And the Lord wants to heal that. It doesn't mean that we do that, but it means that I need to get to why does this bother me? And so I think just taking a step back, that this disagreement is just sort of like an opportunity to discuss why do you think differently than me? That's great. And, you know, some of you might be here and you're a single parent or you're in a, a blended family, and you're like, huh, you know, it must be nice for them. You know, we, we face some different scenarios, and this is true, and we just acknowledge that. 
But you know, I'll tell you, especially if you're a single parent, I know a lot of godly um, grandparents in this house that would, if you came up to them and said, you know, I would just love for someone to walk with me in this season. And I know they would love to come and support you. I know there's many who already function in that way of just giving their counsel and giving feedback because as we're talking about being able to bounce things off one another, um, you know, it's, it's good to have someone that you can do that with. And, and I know for those who are in the blended family, you know, the attack of guilt and shame um, wants to come in and, and we just, you got to combat that with just saying, you know what? God is going to be our rock. He's going to be our foundation and we're starting with him. And that's a great place to be. But also to recognize when um, one of you is feeling something to be able to just say, hey, let's remember that, you know what? God called us together first. So remembering you as the parents, as the mom and dad, you're the first and foremost, the unit, and then come together together in your parenting and as you face those um, situations. So, all right. I'm just going to ask you guys to stand to your feet. You know, as I look around again, I see some of you that are, man, you're like, I'm not even dating yet, and we're, we're talking about this whole parenting thing. Um, but it's a reality for all of you that someday you're going to be a parent. And our desire is that these words spoken will wash over your mind and your mentality, that you won't be like the world was says, ah, you know, I'm going to be, you know, a parent now. This is not a good thing. But that you're actually saying, oh, I'm excited about this. This is what God promised as a gift from him is children, and it's a beautiful Um, Go ahead. I'm just going to ask you all to close your eyes just to take a moment. This is a moment just for you and the Lord, okay? Holy Spirit, I invite you right now. You know, in first service, I, I spoke with someone that as they walked away, they said, oh, yeah, you know, my childhood was nothing but physical, mental, spiritual abuse. And, and that can affect our, our, our heart towards you, even God, because you ultimately are our father. And so I invite you, Holy Spirit, right now to, to wash away the pain and the wounds of bad parenting. of you in this room. Maybe you've never met Daddy God. Maybe you've never met this perfect Father who loves you. But He wants to introduce Himself to you. And there's a promise of eternal life. There's a promise of help in time of need. There is that rock that we're talking about means that, you know, just as I shared that God's word shed light on my path and I knew which way to go. And I want to invite you, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, to meet this Abba Father, this good God, this good dad, I'm inviting you right now to make that surrender, to make that choice to say, you know what? I don't want a parent on my own. I don't want to walk this, this life on my own. And I acknowledge that I want you, Jesus Christ. And if that is you right now and your heart is stirring on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and say, yes, that is me. One, two, three. Yes. I'm saying yes to you, Lord, right now. I'm saying, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be the one steering my life and helping me. All right, together, we are just going to pray together because we are family here. We say, Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on a cross, who was buried, but didn't stay there.
that you are alive, to be real in our lives. And so I invite you to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name.